أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا ونبينا أبي القاسم المصطفى محمد وعلى آله الطيبين الطاهرين واللعنة الدائم على أعدائهم أجمعين من الآن إلى قيام يوم الدين السلام عليكم dear brothers and sisters I hope you are all doing well inshallah and welcome to another episode of our tafsir of Dua Kumail podcast. Uh, we were discussing in the last episode how Ali ibn Abi Talib took it a step further from comparing the difficulties of this world and the difficulties of the hereafter. And he essentially brought to the table another issue, an issue that is even greater than the punishments that we read of normally in the verses of the Quran as it relates to the hereafter. So initially he was saying that the punishments of this world, they pass, you know, they pass by and it doesn't stay for too long. And also the severity of them is not as severe as the punishments of the hereafter. But then after going through that and mentioning that, then he started to talk about how beyond the idea of the punishment of the hellfire being eternal for some people and beyond the idea of it being very severe, there is a greater issue that he is worried about. And we mentioned in the last episode that Ali ibn Abi Talib, he's not belittling the punishment of the hellfire. He's not saying that I can take that, but I can't take this greater punishment that we will mention what it, what it is, as we did in the last episode. He's saying, let's suppose I can take the punishment of the hellfire. So the point that we essentially concluded from that was that he doesn't mean to say the punishment of the hellfire is something that's very small. Right? It's not something that he's underestimating. And I mention this because sometimes you will have speakers, you will have lecturers who speak on Islamic issues, and they kind of have this feeling and they kind of give you this, uh, this sense that, yeah, you know, the punishment of the hellfire, it's not really something to be fearful of. What's, what you should really be fearful of, for example, is being a bad person or being distant from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What Ali ibn Abi Talib is saying is that even the punishment of the hellfire is a serious punishment. Okay, So that's important to remember and understand. And yes, you know, as someone comes closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, at least initially, one of the main drivers of their movement towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, their wayfaring, towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is and should be the fear of the hellfire. And if the fear of the hellfire is, you know, in my words, cool enough for Ali ibn Abi Talib to have it, then we should, you know, it should also be cool enough for us, for us to have this fear in our heart as well. And again, I mentioned this in the last episode that this fear, it is not the paralyzing uh, the uh, you know the 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 type of fear that stops you from moving just because you're so scared. No, it's the type of fear that doesn't let you stop. It makes you move forward. Again, I mentioned this before. Islam is not here to put just put fear in our heart. Islam is here to put fear in our heart so that we will move forward. And once you move forward, then you've passed beyond that fear as that uh, you know as it relates to that. Now, having said all of that, what is this bigger issue that Ali ibn Abi Talib brought up? The issue was that as much as he fears the punishment of the hellfire, being distant from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a bigger difficulty for him. And we explained how there is a hierarchy when it comes to the pleasures of heaven. And, you know, exactly if you would were to map that as it relates to hellfire, the, the hierarchy that you have when it comes to the punishments of the hellfire. 
this is where we ended. Now Ali ibn Abi Talib is again going to mention something else. And this is slightly different from what he mentioned as it relates to being distant from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? This is going to be a little different, although it kind of stems from the same issue. But this second issue that he's going to bring up, the second issue that's greater than the punishment of the hellfire for him, uh, it's still a little different. So this is what he says, and I'm going to continue with the du'a. He says this, Again, let's suppose I would be able to take the heat of the hellfire. Then how would I be able to sit there and watch you honor others? Right? Let's say I'm not in that group that you're honoring because of my deeds, right, my wrongdoings, because of the things that I've done, my shortcomings. Now, I'm not in that group, but here I am in the hellfire, and I can see those that you are honoring. So again, this is the second issue Ali ibn Abi Talib is bringing up. So let's dissect this to understand it a little bit better. What exactly is he trying to say? Is he saying that, na'udhu billah, he's jealous, that he sits there and he watches Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala honor other people, and he says, you know what? This makes me so jealous. It's so difficult for me to see that you will honor others. Is that what he's saying? And of course, we know that this type of jealousy is not what Ali ibn, Ta Ali ibn Abi Talib is referring to here. Okay. So what exactly is he trying to say when he says, I cannot take the idea to, you know, that that moment where I witness your generosity and your your honoring of the of your other servants? Essentially, what he is talking about is how he could have been amongst those that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is honoring. He could have been amongst those that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with. But then he ended up where he ended up. Okay, so let me explain this a little bit more. Essentially, one of the punishments that you will find for the people of the hellfire is just the regret that they feel, is just the difficulty that they feel knowing that they could have been amongst those that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would be honoring, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would be nice and kind to when it comes to heaven. Just knowing that they could have been in that situation and how much potential they had, right? And the type of place that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had prepared for them you know, as it relates to their actual place in heaven and also their status in heaven. The type of status that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had prepared for them, but that they gave up because of their deeds and their shortcomings. This itself is one of the greatest punishments that you will have in the hellfire based on these lines of Dua Kumail. Okay? And it's interesting because when you look at a hadith, you find hadith after hadith touching on this. And when you look at the verses of the Quran, you will find the idea of regret, the regret that the people in the hellfire have in their hearts. You will find that this is one of the things that the Quran refers to over and over again. And I'll, I'll get into that in just a second. But let me share this hadith with you from the sixth Imam. The sixth Imam says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, every human being that He creates, He prepares for Him a place in heaven and He prepares for Him a place in hellfire. And then the hadith continues and says, at the end of the day, this person, he will either make it into heaven or he will make it into hellfire, right? And hopefully most people will make it into heaven, at least eventually. Okay. But either place that they end up in, the hadith continues to explain that if this person was amongst that group that made it into heaven, 
and he ends up in heaven. When he is in heaven as a means of blessing him even more, as a means of giving him even more pleasure that he is in heaven, what will they do? What will the angels do? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through the angels will show him his place in hellfire. And when this person sees his place in hellfire, he just looks back at how far he has come. He just looks back at the, at the, you know, the wonderful idea that he has come to this status and how low of a status he could have potentially been at, but how much he grew because he obeyed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this in and of itself is such a great pleasure for him. Okay. And then the hadith continues, and this is the scary part of the hadith. That the hadith continues and says that when someone ends up in the hellfire, on the other hand, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will then show to this individual the place that he could have had in heaven. And just the fact that he looks at the place that he could have had in heaven in and of itself is a severe punishment for this individual because of how much regret he has, right? Because of how bad he feels, because of the idea that he knows of what could have been, right? In life, and if you speak to those who are a little bit, you know, older, right? They will tell you a lot of times that a lot of times what they regret the most in their life is when they had an opportunity to do something and they didn't do it, right? And when you ask them why, they say because they know what could have been. Even when you look at careers, right? When people spend their years going through a career, right? And they didn't like their career too much. And there was another career that they could have pursued, right? And they feel like they could have really, really been successful in that other career because they loved it so much. They had so much passion for it, right? Why do they have so much regret? Just because of the fact that they know what could have been. Right now, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala shows to these people of the Hellfire what could have been, right? And I remember, I never forget this these lines from the scholar of uh, you know his this Arif that used to live uh, you know back in the day, and he he used to say this about Saddam Laanatullahi Alayhi. He used to say that I remember I heard this from him when uh, Saddam passed away, right? And, uh, you know, essentially the, the invasion happened and uh, with Iraq and he passed away. And I remember hearing these lines from him when essentially Iraq. Uh, I remember hearing these lines from him when Saddam, he essentially was hung, right? When the invasion happened and he was hung. That this alim, as it related to the idea of Saddam not being alive anymore, he said this. He said, how much potential was wasted with Saddam? Because as, as far as we know Saddam, we know Saddam as this horrible person that he was, of course, right? And the, if you sit down with people who lived during his time and you hear the stories, right? Uh, if you have Iraqi friends or, you know, <laughs> if you have friends that have, you know, uh, relatives in Iraq, they can tell you of the hor horrific stories of, of what this person did, right? It's kind of crazy how much evil one person can carry in their life. But the type of stories where you did one thing, uh, you know, against this, this intelligence system and then your whole tribe essentially uh, was threatened and your whole tribe was endangered all of a sudden because of one person and the whole family. Anyways, moving on from that, this alim, what he was saying was that, yes, we know of Saddam as this horrible person, but when Saddam was born, was that the only option for him? No. 
if he had done things right, maybe he would have been one of the greatest, I don't know, servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Maybe he would have been one of the greatest scholars out there. Maybe he would have been one of those who resisted in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the greatest more than anybody else, right? And of course, he made those choices and he became the person that he became. But this alim said, I, I still remember he used to say that how much potential went to waste with Saddam la'anatullahi alayhi. What does that mean? That means that when a person goes down the wrong path, one of the greatest regrets that they have at the end of their life is just knowing what could have been. And this idea of this regret is something that the Quran also talks about when it comes to the Day of Judgment. And this is a lesson for us brothers and sisters. You know, it's this is not just a lesson for someone who is, God forbid, like Saddam and just, you know, pure evil and whatnot. No, it's a lesson, of course, for those people, right? But as it relates to us, it's also a lesson. Because when you actually look at the verses of the Quran, this regret, this hasra that you have, uh, essentially, on the Day of Judgment, it seems as though it is not necessarily something that only applies to people who are pure evil. It applies to them at the, you know, to the fullest extent, of course, and to the fullest degree. But it also applies even to good people when they show up on that day and this person knows that instead of being at level 1000 of his faith, he's at level 500, for example. Instead of having his faith 100 out of 100, he has his faith at 60 out of 100. And then he just thinks for a second that, you know what, what if I could have been at 100? Right? Even he knows the pain and the regret of what could have been. Now, is that pain and regret as serious as the regret of the people of hellfire? Of course not, not even close. At the end of the day, when a person makes it into heaven, essentially the pain and the difficulties and the regrets that really bother someone, they essentially wouldn't be there, right? So if, if there is this regret, it's a very small amount of regret, or maybe it's a regret that's there initially on the day of judgment, right? Because after someone makes it into heaven, heaven is supposed to be a place of pure enjoyment, right? So it's not the type of regret that's going to kill this guy. But at the end of the day, it seems as though he does have a little bit of regret. But then those who have serious regret are those who don't even make it into heaven or those who, and I'll share hadith about this, those who essentially other people made it into heaven because of the things they used to say and do, but they themselves didn't make it into heaven. What does that mean? That means, right, and this is a scary hadith for me personally and for anyone who's in the field of work, uh, like the field of work that I'm in, the people who used to speak and lecture, the type of people who used to preach, and because of the good things that they were saying, right, the words of wisdom that they were sharing from Quran, Ahlul Bayt, whatever the case may be, and because of that, a lot of people made it into heaven at the end of the day, but this person, because he wasn't acting upon these sayings himself, he doesn't make it there. And because of that, he has the greatest regret on the day of judgment. It's a hadith from the fifth Imam, It says that on the day of judgment, the people who have the most regret are those who used to speak highly of justice and being just, but they were not just themselves. In a hadith from the Prophet, the Prophet says something very similar to this. He says the people who have the most regret on the Day of Judgment are those who used to speak so highly of Qur'an and Hadith. They used to speak so highly of the hereafter and how you should work for the hereafter, but they didn't work for the hereafter themselves 
And because of that, so many people use them as a ladder to make it into heaven, but this person doesn't make it into heaven himself either, out of his own shortcomings, right? Out of his own fault. This person will have the greatest regret. This is also why in the verses of the Quran, the day of judgment is referred to as Yawmul Hasra, the day of regret. And beyond that, you also have another name of the day of judgment. And this is the name that we are a little less familiar with, right? We have names of the day of judgment that we are all very familiar with, like Yawmul Qiyamah or, you know, Yawmul Fasla, right? We have these, these names that we're very familiar with. And then we have certain names that we are less familiar with. And this is one of them, Yawmul Taghabun, right? And we have a, a surah in the Quran, a chapter of the Quran known as Suratul Taghabun. Okay, what does غابن mean? Because this word تغابن comes from the root word of غابن. غابن means essentially in a transaction when someone was sold short, right? When someone was ripped off. When someone could have made a greater profit, but they didn't make that greater profit, right? Or essentially when they were supposed to receive something in the fullest degree, but they got only half of it. And when you look at the... Uh, words of our scholars, the Mufassirin, right? The general idea of why this verse is referred to as the, uh, you know, the Surah of Taghabun, right? Is because essentially the people who end up in hellfire and the people who end up in heaven, both of them feel like they could have done better. Now, of course, I want to reiterate this, that the person who makes it into hellfire, of course, his regret is going to be so severe, it will be such a severe punishment for him that as Ali ibn Abi Talib is saying, it will probably more be more severe than the actual punishment of the hellfire for this individual. But based on the words of some of our Mufassirin, at least, even the, some of the people who make it into heaven, they also have this regret that I wish I would have done more. And we have this in more hadith and we don't have time to go through all of them. But this is why this uh, surah of the Quran is referred to as At-Taghabun. The day or the time that he gathers you for the day of gathering. When you guys come together, what happens? Everyone feels like they could have had more. Right? Everyone has a little bit of regret. At least the people of hellfire will have a lot and the people in heaven might have a little bit of this regret. But all of this goes back to the idea of knowing what could have been. And what Ali ibn Abi Talib is saying here, and I know that we're taking our time with some of these lines of Dua Kumail and really going into depth with them and elaborating on them. And that's because other parts of the Dua, we probably won't go into as much depth uh, and as many details. But these lines are really, really critical. These lines are actually the lines that really uh, stand out in the Dua probably more than any other line, right? When you go through Dua Kumail, the, the lines that really draw your attention are the times where Ali ibn Abi Talib, he says, listen, forget about the punishment of the hellfire. How am I going to deal with this? Right? When he says it in, when he says it in that form, that really, you know, grabs your attention. Like, what is it that Ali ibn Abi Talib is talking about that's so important, right? That he's telling you to forget about the punishment of the hellfire momentarily until you deal with this. So that's why we're going into more detail here. But the two issues essentially that he brought up, right, as I'm wrapping up this episode, is number one, the idea that the punishment of the hellfire is severe, but dealing with the idea of being distant from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Dealing with the idea that knowing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not pleased with me. He is dissatisfied with me, right? Imagine someone walks into the day of judgment and just knows that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is dissatisfied with them. Imagine 
And this is how I put it because, uh, you know, it's something that we can relate to very easily. Imagine someone walks into the day of judgment, right? Forget about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for just a second. Imagine you walk into the day of judgment, right? And everyone has gathered. And of course, the imams are there as well and the prophets are there. And imagine you walk into the scene and the prophet looks at you and he's upset at you. How terrible of a feeling is that going to be, right? When the prophet looks at you, the person that, you know, you might have loved your whole life, right? Or you said you loved, but in reality and in your actions, you didn't show any of that love. You walk into the day of judgment and he looks at you and he is not satisfied with you. That's a really, really scary thought if you think about it, right? Think about it if you walk into the day of judgment and, you know, Imam Al-Hussein is standing there and you walk into the scene, everyone is there and let's say he doesn't even look at you. That's how upset he is at you. These are really scary thoughts, right? So that's the first thing Ali ibn Abi Talib is bringing up. Of course, with him, it's between him and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But I was just using this example so that we could understand it better. That's one thing. Then the second issue that he brought up and said, you know what, this would be even bigger than the punishment of the hellfire is the idea of knowing what could have been and how I have to sit there and watch how you are honoring all of these servants of yours, whereas I know I could have been amongst those that you are honoring. Now, moving on from these lines, as we continue with the dua, then Ali ibn Abi Talib will again, he will start speaking of what he will do if he ends up in this category. If he actually ends up amongst those people who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala separates from those who love him, who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala separates from those that he is going to bless and honor. What is Ali ibn Abi Talib going to do? And what, and what he's going to say next is going to be very beautiful, right? And it's going to be very poetic, right? And of course, poetic is, is an underestimate of, of the, you know, the beauty of the words of Ali ibn Abi Talib, right? Because his words go way beyond anything that a poet could ever say. But it's very, you know, it's, it's, it speaks of this affection that he has for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how merciful Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. So he's going to say this, he's going to say, listen, if I end up in this group, right, and obviously I have to deal with the punishment of the hellfire and beyond that I have to do deal with these two other issues that he brought up, what am I going to do? Well, I'm, he's going to threaten God, but the way he threatens God is so beautiful, right, that it actually shows that it's not a threat at all. It's a way of him showing how vulnerable he is and how much he actually loves Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I know we'll discuss that inshallah in the next episode. What does Ali ibn Abi Talib say? If he's going to end up in this group, right? He's not going to be honored. He's not going to end up in the heaven. Then what is he going to do about it, right? He's going to say, you know what, Allah, I will do this and this. But when he says that, that just shows how much he is desperate for the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the affection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how much he wants Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be pleased with him. Inshallah, that we will discuss in the next episode.